This episode of the podcast was recorded on the 31st of August 2021 at home in Wicklow and it is somewhat of a sensory episode. Smell features a little and taste features a lot. Taste in terms of food and taste in terms of life and one's appetite for it and when that appetite gets challenged. Um, yes, there is also some stuff on retention, retaining information and how I struggle to do that, although it doesn't seem to bother me. And I have a large section of this episode that is dedicated to middle age and middle-aged drift and the idea of disappointment and unfulfilled expectations and diminished visibility and vitality and that all leads me to a defiant a defiant defense of one's right to an autonomy of narrative and how changing the narrative is everyone's prerogative so that's that's what's coming your way there's uh, also some green soup some lovely green soup and a bit of advice for teachers and as usual a couple of relevant featured movies one of which is american beauty and the other of which is being there with good old peter sellers so there you go that's what's coming your way right now i'll see you there cheers not gonna change my Hi, my name is Dara Clear and you are listening to The Clear Out. How the hell are you? How, how is it? How is it in your head at the moment, in your heart, in your soul, in your body? Yeah, let's just, let's just go for, how, how's it in your stomach? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are talking about gut health. And getting the, uh, I don't even, I don't even know, I don't, I don't even have the vocabulary to to talk about it. The um, that that realm, that domain, gut health, the the biome. I'm 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 just I'm 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 reaching in the dark here. I just think of it as a a dark, a dark moist place, where bacteria are having a twenty four seven party it's it's the party that never ends and your your digestive system can't escape you're at the mercy of that partying bacteria and everything that goes in they're like yeah let's turn it up a notch they're firing those amps all the way up to 11 right round the clock bring it on what do you got for me figural love it what have you got for me pepper salami can't get enough red wine keep pouring baby what's this cinnamon chips (laughs) my daughter insisted we grab a box of new sugary cereal from the cereal aisle when she accompanied me to the to the supermarket last week um i think she feels quite 
you know, <laughs> she's got that fear, you know, the fear of missing out, the old FOMO. She she is afraid she's going to miss out on a on a memorable sugary breakfast experience. So anytime she's in the supermarket, we have this negotiation where she's like, can we get that one? And I'm like, nah, I think it's too sugary. What about this one? Uh, I don't like that one. And she just, I didn't have the willpower to resist the last time around. And she grabbed a box of cinnamon chips. I'm pretty sure that's what they're called. Anyway, she got into them. Uh, the rule, the rule in our house is you, only, you can only have sugary cereals at the weekend. Now, I know some of the nutritionists out there will argue, actually, even the savoury ones are packed with sugar. Uh, a friend of ours in Melbourne, our lovely friend, hi Ange, if you're listening, she dropped this bombshell on us. She, she said that cornflakes, cornflakes are so unbelievably stealthy most of us understand cornflakes to be a savoury cereal, a non-sugary cereal. However, our friend Ange told us that the the sugar content in cornflakes is offset and effectively neutralised by the salt content. So, in fact, cornflakes are these stealth, <laughs> stealth flakes stealth cereal that is helping us consume um hidden quantities of salt and sugar and yeah so there you go so and you want to ask do i have a box do we have a box of cornflakes in our cereal cupboard in our cereal press why yes we do (laughs) my daughter reached for the um the kellogg's cornflakes last week and i was like no put them back we're gonna get the supermarket's own brand ones and she's like why and i was like well they're about two euros cheaper <laughs> so she she seemed to accept that she didn't she didn't fight back and i actually think the the uh, the supermarket's own brand ones were they're perfectly delicious there was a time there was a time and many of you will remember um the time when supermarket own brand products really didn't taste like the uh, the named brand that they were competing with. I remember those early iterations of own brand cornflakes and they were distinctly not cornflakey. They just didn't have that taste. No, no, sir. And uh, yeah, that, that, um, that particular Rubicon has been crossed now. Um, by the the taste makers and yeah own brand cornflakes are pretty damn good pretty damn good anyway my daughter whenever the uh, the day came around like friday afternoon we consider the weekend start so she had a little cup of dry cinnamon chips and was immediately "Eh, i don't like these so there's a big box of them in the cupboard pretty much untouched apart from the two bowlfuls that i had last saturday morning uh, I thought they were quite nice, but one bowl would have been plenty. I shouldn't have gone back for more. And I should have known better with my long history, my long, long, long history of sweet consumption. I should have known that uh, it would it was going to be a case of diminishing returns. And so it proved. Now, 
I had a little thought jump in my head there where I was talking when I was talking about the cereal tastemakers. We recently had in this house a box of Earl Grey tea. And I'm going to get into some controversial territory here because in Ireland, two tea brands dominate the market, two Irish tea companies. One is Lions, and that's Lions with a Y, not an I as in the animal. Uh, Lions Tea, and the other is Barry's Tea. That's right, Barry, like Barry Manilow or Barry McGuigan. Uh, so anyway, most families are either a Lions family or a Barry's family. In my household, as in sorry, in my family home, we grew up and it was always Lions. And there are Barry's drinkers; they just turn their nose up at Lions, not interested. I have continued to buy Lions as an adult, and that's not going to change. I like a bit of Lions Gold Blend in the nice pyramid tea bag. Delicious, makes a lovely strong cup of tea. Nothing fancy, just a straight up good old normal tea. Normal tea, that's what we call it. I don't know what you want to call it. Irish breakfast tea, English breakfast tea, black tea. Anyway, I bought a box of Barry's tea. I know, I know. I'm hanging my head in shame. You can hear, you can hear the hurt, the anguish in my voice, I'm sure. Now, it's not as bad as all that. I didn't buy a normal box of Barry's tea. I wasn't trying to bring in a competitor to the Lions. I was buying Earl Grey tea. And I thought, I'll try, I'll try a different brand. I, could, I don't think Lions do Earl Grey. And I didn't want to buy Twinings. Um, and I just thought, okay, I'll try this one. I'll try the Barry's Earl Grey. Maybe it's going to be... Maybe it's going to be decent. And I got it, got it because that is my wife's preferred cup of tea in the morning. When I deliver, when I grovel my way into the bedroom at half seven in the morning and I deposit a nice cup of Earl Grey, freshly brewed Earl Grey tea by her bedside. Good morning, darling. Here is your cup of tea. Now you can start the day in your chosen way. Anyway. Here's the bottom line. The Earl Grey tea made by Barry's is shite. <laughs> it's dirt. It doesn't have a flavour. It just tastes like slightly not quite right normal tea. And, you know, I don't know what to say. I mean, this is a company that's been making tea for a long time. And now they've got this nice little product sitting on the shelf. And they've gone for the uh, what seems to be the current favoured colour for Earl Grey tea packaging. That is purple. And that's what sets it aside from the more typical greens or reds of uh, Lions or Barry's normal tea. So that box of Earl Grey tea came into the house and it is no good. And I was thinking, what the hell? I, I, I felt like I wanted to complain and I just never got around to it. And it has since been replaced. It has since been thrown out. Um, what did my... Oh, yeah, my wife went and bought a box of Twinings. Twinings Earl Grey. And then, you know what? It actually tastes like Earl Grey. It has that bergamot. I did hear someone pronounce that as bergamot. 
the bergamot, the lovely bergamot flavour that gives Earl Grey its distinctive thing. And the Twinings has it. The Barry's doesn't. Now, would you believe, on the back of the Barry's tea box, they have their little spiel. You know, the uh, the old uh, branding narrative. And basically what they do is they, they name... They named the person responsible for green lighting the tea. I thought, are you serious? You're actually going to hang this guy out to dry. Now, I may not remember the name correctly. I have it. I have it somewhere. Um, but I didn't bring it in here uh, when I just when I started recording. I think it's Tim Daly. So our master blender, Tim Daly, basically has, you know hand-picked or, you know, overseen the brewing process to deliver this wonderful aromatic product for your enjoyment. Drink black with a slice of lemon. And I thought, after reading the spiel, I thought, oh, does Tim Daly not have a nose? Does Tim Daly, has he just spoofed his way into the Barry's Tea Empire? on some forged credentials that he claimed to have you know, been born under a tea bush in, in India. And they've gone, oh, yeah, great stuff, Tim. You're our man. And uh, all he does is he, he sweeps up the dust on the factory floor, sticks it in a tea bag and goes, boom, there you are, lads, Earl Grey. That's what it tastes like where I come from. Listen, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Uh, it's, it's dirt. So there you go. Okay, rant over. Let's move on. And I'm not. I'm not I make no judgment on Barry's normal tea. I've, I've drunk a bit of that. Um, one of my cousins, not the cousin who lives here at hashtag blessed, but another cousin. That's his favorite. His favorite brew, the Barry's tea, and I used to drink a bit of that when we were both living uh, in Melbourne. And that's that's fine. I still prefer Lions, and no Barry's Earl Grey will ever darken our doorstep again so there you go okay narrative i mean lads come on if you're gonna come up with a spiel yet the bloody product better be decent i mean that's it that's 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 basic isn't it that's that's surely marketing 101 don't tell us this nice story if the product is no good (laughs) anyway there you go so um what have I been up to? Do you know what I had for my lunch today? Speaking of taste, I had a lovely bowl of, I'm going to call it green vegetable soup. That doesn't make it sound very nice. I'm going to call it pea and broccoli and courgette soup. Blended. Delicious. Tiny bit of fennel in there in the mix. Not fresh fennel, just the fennel seeds. Just give that little, that little kind of minty lift that fennelly lift. I made soup yesterday because it felt cold here in Hashtag Blessed. Why don't you stop walking around in your underpants then? You can't sit around in the nude all day long and not expect to get cold, Dara. Well, that is true. I was in my uh, in my shorts. Regular old cargo shorts, okay? Not like... I think I think in America they might use shorts for underwear, might they? I used to um, 
I used to say this stupid thing to a friend of mine. She was talking about, uh, she had a friend. It's a Canadian friend of mine and she has a, a friend in, um, in school. And I am going to go blank. Oh yeah, no, I'm not going to go blank. I remember his name was, his name was Jeremy Finkelstein. And I just had this spiel just come into my head. I just pictured I just pictured uh, Jeremy Finkelstein getting getting picked on by uh, by a bully with an anachronistic accent, not a Canadian accent, but some jerk bully coming up to Jeremy Finkelstein and deliberately getting his name wrong. And he'd come up and he'd go, JJ, little little JJ uh, Stinkelstein. Uh, you're looking for your inhaler? It's in my shorts. <laughs> it's in my shorts, Stinkelstein. So there, shorts. That's what I was thinking of. That's what put that little that little vignette back into my memory. Little uh, little JJ Stinkelstein. Anyway, I was yeah, I was wearing I wasn't wearing long pants yesterday and it was it just felt a bit cold. It was a bit of a gloomy day and it's a gloomy day again today and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna make some nice soup, nice hearty soup and it I don't know, there's something about that green. The green you get when you blend, you know, the broccoli and the, the peas, the uh, the courgette or zucchini, if you will. Uh, I won't. I'll courgette, you can zucchini. Uh, that green is just such a oh beautiful thing. The the pleasure just from seeing the colour of that green. Ridiculous. And yes, I had a, a big bowl of that yesterday with a heap of buttered bread. <laughs> and just before I came in now again, I had another bowl with a, a toasted bagel also buttered. And that has set me very nicely and that will sustain me beautifully for the, uh, the remainder of this recording. I learnt, I learnt from my teaching days. When I used to teach in secondary school, I learnt to stop bringing a big lunch to school because I just get that afternoon lull, the post-lunch energy drop as all, all the energy, all the energy in my body just rushed to my stomach to digest a mountain of sandwiches or something that was just a little bit too substantial. So I started packing lighter lunches and found I was much better able to deal with, to deal with my charges um, after lunch. And I tell you, in the schools where I was teaching, you had to have your wits about you. You couldn't, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't go in soft. You couldn't be slack. You, um, you had to be ready for a fight. I, I learned over time though, you know, I learned over time that fighting, in spite of my karate background, fighting is not really my thing. And fighting with, fighting with teenagers, angry, disenfranchised, disillusioned teenagers, male and female, who looked at you like, I don't know, like you were a uh, and especially me as a as a substitute teacher coming in and covering for you know the regular staff I mean a substitute teacher never gets an easy time so really you know they'd look at you like some 
I, I, I'm trying to think of something suitably offensive, ridiculous, laughable, instantly dismissible, um, like a French poodle with dyed pink hair. I don't know. I don't know. And you know, the, the first few years I started teaching, it was a battle. I used to think I've got to meet these guys head on. I've got to fight. I've got to stamp my authority on this classroom. I've got to assert myself. They will respect me. And then over time, I just gave that up. I just thought, oh, this is far too much effort. And it's stressful. And by the time I, you know, I was about 10 years into that uh, on and off teaching career between acting jobs and other work, I just used to go in and stay very calm and I'd be very clear about my boundary and how you know the the areas I wouldn't get sucked into I wouldn't get teased or provoked into the confrontation um and I wouldn't cop out and detach either I'd be present but I realized the second I stepped out of my comfort zone um which was all which which could be physical which could be staying around my desk at the uh, the head of the classroom but it could also just be the the area of discourse um and the area of kind of the the the, the, the communication the exchange i i managed to stay in safe areas and just communicate clearly what my expectations were and stay calm when the shit hit the fan and that served me very well that served me very well indeed so, yes, how did I get there? How did I get to schools from soup? I don't know, there must be some latent Dickensian trigger. Uh, anyway, I have been launching myself, launching myself at social media. Yes, and it's it's a learning curve. I'm trying to just raise the profile of the podcast i mean it's really that simple it's that mundane and unimaginative and it is an absolute concession to to social media to those platforms that i have resisted for many many years uh i have never rated them as a place to conduct human interaction and perhaps that is i don't know perhaps that's very judgy that's very judgy of me Sorry, sorry for judging. Um, and perhaps it's also very naive. But now I realize I am viewing the podcast. I'm viewing the clear out. It is a product. It is a product that I am producing all by myself. Uh, no, no disrespect. No disrespect to the production team who at the time of speaking are, let me see, two members of the production team are certainly asleep that would be head of marketing marlon assistant uh the marketing assistant ruby she's asleep in the hot press um and then we have the 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 guinea pigs i don't really know what they're doing we we've we've rehomed them we my wife spotted a like a coop on the side of the road a coop or a hutch it was in a bit of disrepair but we stuck uh, 15 euros in the guy's letterbox and took it. Um, normally he's there to sell it, but he, he wasn't home. Uh, so there was various bits of crap outside his place. <laughs> Fair play to him. 
he's doing a roaring trade but we yeah we, we brought it back here and i repaired it and the guinea pigs are now on stilts on a hutch in uh in the, the sitting room now they're probably just munching their way through their morning allocation of hay yeah that's what it is they've got a bit of hay grass in there or they're trying to munch their way through the hutch because they're like my, my daughter pointed out that their teeth are like beavers so they they like to get their teeth stuck into a bit of wood and that wood is the hutch so they're uh, they're not much use to me at the moment and then the uh, the other three members of the production team are in their new abode slightly off the garden up above the, the mezzanine the mezzanine level of the garden those three those three delightful chickens are up there the randy mexican and the two girls and they produced an egg would you believe they produced an egg it's there it's there on instagram the uh, the clear out podcast go find me i'm on instagram and i put up a photo of the egg it was a small egg and i was rolling it through my fingers and i dropped the bloody thing and cracked it but there is a photo and i put a an atmospheric bluish filter on it to to give it a sort of a a scientific wonder of life hue yes so that is the production team and they're not contributing anything at the moment except allowing me to drop in some anecdotal stuff from their hashtag blessed experience or existence i should say anyway the clear out is a product so this the podcast and the the blog the original the starting point from 2013 coming at you since 2013 uh that is the i'm finally trying to just put a bit of stuff out there on facebook and instagram and twitter to invite eyeballs and traffic to this to this listening experience and it's funny it's really fun well, it's funny to me i've said that before in fact i said it in the last episode funny to me what else matters i've been sifting through some old articles slash blog posts i mean they're blog posts you say article and it, it elevates them somewhat makes them sound a bit posher a bit fancier a bit uh yeah a bit all that gives it a bit more gravitas anyway looking through the material on the website and finding just little little snippets little extracts to put up on social media because i <laughs> i've often liked you know when you, when you see some a quote just put up there as an instagram post a nice photo on social media and it's a quote and it's got a nice font and maybe it looks like a page from a diary or a journal but it's clearly you know being done online it's not a photo of someone's actual diary or journal but aesthetically i've always found that quite pleasing and i'm aware that insta poets those uh, instagram poets who write those kind of epigrammatic short pithy poems they've been using that kind of those kind of formats for some time so i took the plunge at the weekend um and the first couple of things i put up were a couple of uh poems 
very quickly composed spontaneous kind of poems just um responses to the material in some recent episodes so they're up there on instagram and they pop up on facebook as well and then i thought oh i'll i'll throw up a little extract from my most recent uh, article on the website which at that point was the last one from the uh, the start of this month and i put it up and it's a nice little sound bite it was a little uh, manifesto of uh, control basically and i thought oh that looks nice it's nice to see it in quotes again sort of elevates it makes it pop makes it look like i have interesting things to say and so i've been i have been dipping back into the archives and looking for other suitable uh, sound bites suitable extracts to put out there and i was i was laughing at myself because yeah i I, you know, I found I found a few things here and there on, on different topics, different notions, and I look at them in isolation and I go, oh, okay, that does that does look quite nice. That that is saying something. That it's capturing, it's, it's capturing a point of view. It's capturing a a little a little life lesson. It's capturing a personal perspective. But I was laughing because some of them I found, and. I was thinking, wow, if someone asked me what I was talking about, I wouldn't have a clue. Because I wrote it six, seven, eight years ago. I wrote it when I I was completely preoccupied with some line of thought that gave birth to that particular post at that time. And I was I just had I had a I had a flash and, and I felt I felt like I could have been a Woody Allen character. Perhaps not a character that Woody Allen would have played, but you know, maybe maybe a character from one of his his movies, uh particularly particularly going back to the the seventies and eighties, maybe like Alan Alda uh would have played a character. And I just had this image of you know, a version of myself as a as a sort of a pseudo intellectual who whose words or whose quotes would be you know thrown around and then an interviewer would come to talk and go so you know when you said that about the nature of existence what exactly did you mean and i just say i have no idea none at all and i'd just be this this vacuous airhead um but a vacuous airhead who was perceived as being incredibly profound that that makes me that makes me think and i know I've, I've i've referenced it here before that makes me think of peter sellers in being there where he is is a chase chase the gardener who really doesn't have anything to say but in his silences are his his um his short observational sentences about gardening all the people around him perceive and project enormous intellectual depth a very yeah very well worth checking out that movie from um i think that's from 1980 being there peter sellers in a very in a very non uh you know very un inspector clouseau role not the not the wacky zany 
doing great impersonations and impressions and wonderful accents, Peter Sellers, but a very still, uh, small Peter Sellers, but, but well worth checking out. Yes. So anyway, that's what I thought. I was just laughing at myself. The my, my inability to to successfully have retention, I suppose. Um, now I'm not talking about incontinence. Uh, thankfully, uh, otherwise I'd be sitting here in a large nappy. Um, the type of nappy that's suitable suitable for for a middle aged man. But retention, it's. I'm always amazed. I'm amazed at people who can throw out the, you know, the great tracts of text or historical facts, dates, figures, quote, books, novels, um, whatever, literature, speeches, um, reconstruct, um, you know, episodes of import from the past and or or even you know break down scientific theory or whatever it might be uh if they can explain bitcoin to me my head will fall off and what i find is i read things at a time and i understand it at the time and then it's gone i don't retain it um and it's interesting because obviously as an actor at different times i've had to learn lines you know, you, you get your script, you've got to learn those lines and you know them inside out, left to right, right to left, back to front, whichever way. And I know actors who do that and they can still quote from the very many things that they have done over their careers. And they can drop out the Shakespeare stuff, they can drop out whatever it happens to be. I can't do that. I do not have that retention maybe there's a like a handful no i i'm i'm even hesitating a, a fingerful a thimble a thimbleful i don't retain stuff so i how do i operate i mean does it matter is that just a challenge to my intellectual ego does it actually matter that i don't retain stuff um probably not I fall back on sort of core, a core layering of understanding and a core layering of memory of certain events and things. And that's about it. The broad, the broad strokes. Yeah, the broad brush strokes. The the, the gist, the thrust, but the detail I'm not great at that i struggle with um and 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 i'm okay with that i mean that this harks back to my my episode on uh getting comfortable with chickens and ignorance which is a few episodes back um and i was i was advocating being being cool being cool with ignorance being cool with not knowing everything and i guess that there's there's a relationship there so retention I ain't no good at it, but I ain't sweating it either. Yeah. But um but there you go. I mean, what do you do? I mean if you think if you think you're gonna be asked questions, you bone up, you do your homework, you go back and revise. But life isn't meant to be an exam, is it? It's not meant to be a test. 
There's not going to be a test at the end of all of this, is there? I hope not. I don't think I'll do very well. Um, although that said, that said, my wife does. Uh, she does attribute me um, with having a with having a good memory, with being able to kind of. I'm I'm not bad at dates. I'm quite good at dates. Uh, for our for our personal life, I should I should I, I hasten to kind of add there, yeah. So I'm quite good on dates and memories uh, of when stuff happened, but of course, what happened is totally subjective, totally subjective. Um, I'm actually I'm writing a story at the moment about that in in, in a much more literal sense about what we see what each person sees out of their own set of eyes i'm just working on a little story for the the meditation app and i don't know where it's going to go actually but the start of it is a a young a young boy talking to his blind grandfather and just asking him questions about being blind and what it feels like and the grandfather offers back that it doesn't matter that he's blind, he still wouldn't be able to see the same thing as his grandson. And his grandson wouldn't be able to see the same thing that he sees. And so I don't know where it's going to go, but that's the that's the germ. That's the germ of the story that I'm working with. And I'll just have to see where it ends up. But I guess it's a it's the most literal it's the most literal um representation of subjectivity the subjective viewpoint um i'm gonna i'm gonna come back to that i'm gonna come back to that a little bit later on in the episode but i've been i've been thinking a little bit i I referred there a short short while back to a middle-aged man nappy yeah that's a that's a diaper to uh to any american listeners um a middle-aged man nappy I remember being in my first kind of acting classes years ago as a teenager and one of the improvisations we had to do we had to come up with with a a product and an ad to promote the product and there was a guy there and who I who I was quite friendly with and his thing was sumo naps <laughs> sumo as in sumo wrestler naps as in the uh, the Hiberno or Anglo English word for nappies, as opposed to the American diapers, so sumo naps, and he constructed something to wrap around the outside of his trousers that looked approximately like uh, a sumo wrestler's covering, and did a sort of a conga around the room, and he had some jingle for sumo naps. For your chaps, perhaps. I doubt he I doubt he said that. But anyway, sumo naps just came to my mind. But yeah, the um the middle aged the middle aged drift. That is that's a thing, I guess. The middle aged drift where things start going south. <laughs> your career, if you had one. Um, your body, of course, your body just starts speaking to you in a different way, doesn't it? And, you know, I have a, a pretty, um, a pretty disciplined exercise regime 
Now, I'm not a gym bunny. I've never been a gym bunny. I've never had the whole body sculpting obsession. And I appreciate uh, a well-constructed body, male or female. I mean, I'm into sport and I do. I mean, to see an athlete's body, whatever the sport is, it's, you know, it's great. I mean, it's, yeah, aesthetically, uh, it's a very pleasant experience to, to put eyes on those bodies and go, oh my goodness. Now, I'm, no, you know, come on, do I, do I, do I even need to say it? I'm nowhere. I'm not in that category. <laughs> do you know why? Because I'm not a professional athlete in my 20s. Uh, I'm a middle-aged dude in my late 40s and I stay fit, but I've noticed in the last couple of years, the body is like, I don't care what you do, man. You might be going one way, we're going this way. And the bellies just started to push out a little bit. Now, I must say, if that's only happened to me in my mid-40s, started happening in my mid-40s, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with that. I remember when I turned, oh, let me see what age would I have been. Actually, I think I was probably still in my late 20s and I was working with a, an actor on a show, a musical, uh, a Christmas show. And there was a lot of a lot of physical stuff and a lot of moving around and carrying each other and jumping around and... um. I remember the guy I was working with saying, oh, you know, you know, enjoy, enjoy being fit while you can, because when you turn 30, pff, that's it. It's game over, baby. And I was thinking, really? 30? So my experience has been it took me until my mid 40s for the body to really start pushing back. And I'm looking at things. I'm looking at my diet. I'm looking at my lifestyle. I'm looking at what I put into put into my body. I'm thinking about the gut health. A smidgen and trying to uh counter <laughs> i'm trying to counter gravity how arrogant is that but uh, i was listening to isabel allende talk on a podcast the other the other day she was talking to um adam buxton uh formerly of adam and joe if you know that comedy team from sort of 90s late night tv pretty funny goofy english guys um, but Adam Buxton has a, a lovely podcast. He's got a real nice touch and interviews a lot of interesting people. And he was talking to Isabel Allende. And it was a really nice conversation. Very interesting. I'll um, Actually, I'll throw a link to that podcast in the in the description for this episode. Um, it was quite a long-ranging conversation about her life, career, feminism, marriage, infidelity, uh, her books, of course, politics, political history of Chile, really good she she just came across so well uh but in any case one of the things that she threw out there was that um women are realists and men are not and i was reflecting on that uh, so further to my idea of defying gravity i mean that's uh that's certainly not accepting reality is it um but the 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 middle age drift of course it's it's not just physical it's uh, well, I certainly, the way I experience it or have been thinking about it, it's a, it's a, it can be a malaise, a, a general fatigue, a general onset of cynicism, jadedness, uh, defeat, uh, a loss of vitality, a loss of appetite for life. Uh, I mean, these are, I think these are all the, the temptations, the pitfalls. Suddenly all of those impulses are 
just subtly sort of scratching at the door just outside your consciousness kind of going ah go on just give up don't worry about it what have you got to prove anymore what are you what are you trying to do for god's sake stop taking yourself so seriously just let yourself go stop being so pretentious stop thinking you're going to do something with your life (laughs) quite seductive it's quite seductive that chitter chatter you kind of go yeah yeah why don't i just shut up and sit down and just drop out um so tune out and drop out um what was what was the timothy leary thing tune in and drop out anyway whatever um yeah so the middle-aged drift i mean it's i don't know i mean i just think at at different stages of life there are certain habitual pitfalls or or traps or mm, off-road off-road options places to get waylaid ditches to fall into without the assistance of alcohol um so at different times of life i think there are certain present and um unsettling destabilizing uh factors or elements that can yeah can 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 knock us off our stride that can set us back that can spin us around and have us walking back the the way we came um now that might not bother you uh, if you're not someone who conceives or thinks of life as uh linear uh i i I did confess to that recently uh on 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 the podcast that i do i think of it as a, a linear progression and so it's it's forward momentum please um and i mean i shouldn't say i shouldn't say please like that's a that's a desirable thing but in my completely unimaginative way i'm i just accept yep time is ticking time is ticking another day has rolled over rolled around and i've just progressed um another another few paces along life's travelator and if you're asking yourself what a travelator is, that's uh, one of those flat escalators that you get at airports. They're they're dead flat and they're exactly like an escalator, except they just trundle along at an incredibly safe, almost lethargic pace as you as you sort of uh, drift painfully through the airport. Um, with no great enthusiasm just trying to find your way to the correct departure gate that's um yeah maybe that's maybe that's the the metaphor or the analogy for life so middle age is i don't know you're like uh where on the travelator are you when it's when it's middle age you know it's it's definitely a place where you feel right I'm not I'm not really very sexy anymore am I I'm not I'm not that interesting to people um no one's looking at me no one thinks I'm cool um this is beginning to sound like a midlife crisis which it is not 
I'm just, I'm just, I'm just speculating here. Just having a bit of a think. Okay, just having a bit of a think. Don't judge me. Um, yeah, but that's kind of what it is, isn't it? Um, I've heard a couple of women talk about becoming invisible upon turning 50. Now, my wife, <laughs> my wife hit that significant milestone earlier this year. She hasn't used those exact words. Isabel Allende mentioned it the other day. Um, yeah, it's an interesting idea, isn't it? To become invisible. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not disputing that. Um, I guess it depends. It depends where you are. It depends. It, that depends upon the, the people with, with whom you're spending your time. So visibility, I don't know. I think if you want to be seen, think about who you're with. Think about the people who are going to be interested in you, who are going to want to share your life, who are going to want to engage with you and um, and validate you in that way. Because I suppose, yes, to be seen is to be validated. To be seen is to be identified. To be seen is to be to be acknowledged, to be given existence. Um, yeah, that's the, uh, I'm not going to be able to draw it again. Retention, isn't that the thing? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit like, you know, the tree falling in the forest. And if, um, you know, if no one's there to, 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 you know, to see it fall, does it actually, whatever. There's another one about looking through a, a keyhole, isn't there? So, yes being seen well i don't know i think my feeling is choose your audience find your audience choose your audience if that is part of how you see yourself um and there there you go i've just used that word like do you see yourself and that then is that's profoundly existential if you're struggling to see yourself that is that is scary, I think. And, the, and, and okay, I mean, and of course, there are people that don't want to see themselves. There are people who look and they don't like what they see. They hate what they see. And I mean, my mind is just jumping around here. I mean, I'm not, I'm not particularly talking about body dysmorphia. I'm not talking about hating the way you physically appear. I'm going to I'm going to stay away from that territory. That's that's a that's another that's a whole other area of um of discussion, analysis, contemplation, reflection and I guess I, I guess I I am very lucky in that I don't I don't give it a huge amount of thought about myself and maybe you'll say well of course cuz you're a man. Maybe maybe I you know I had my hang-ups. I had my hang-ups about my body when I was younger, when I was a young man and okay i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna be very honest <laughs> oh no run away how do i fast forward um i got over my hang-ups about my body purely by being in relationships with with girlfriends i mean really i just thought well okay if this is 
a young woman who finds me sufficiently attractive to sleep with, to have a relationship with, I guess I can't be that bad. I guess I can't be that hideous. And um, yeah, and I, I feel like it's, it's, it's almost been that long. We're talking 30, 29, 30 years ago since I've had any real anxiety. And, you know, let me quickly flip to the other side. It's not like I'm going around going, check me out, check out my great bod. I think I look beautiful. It's not that. I just don't think about it. I think my thinking is stay healthy and, you know, be well. And if you can inform the healthiness and the wellness, if that can be informed with a little bit of self-confidence, that is attractive. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, And again, you can, you know, you can go further in the conversation and go, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're attractive. And I'll go back to, well, who do you want to find? Who, who do you want to find you attractive? Who are you hoping? Like who's, whose eye are you hoping to catch? And, um, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, that's a pretty short list. <laughs> that's a very short list. There's, there's one person on that list. That's a, that's me old wife. So I want my wife to look at me and go, you're cute. I like you. And that's, that's good enough for me. That hasn't changed. Mm. But anyway, um, but it's an interesting thing to, 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 to go back to the more existential nature of the middle-aged drift, the middle-aged kind of flailing around going, what am I doing? What, what's happened to my life? And I think of, um, I think of Kevin Spacey. Now, I'm not thinking of Kevin Spacey in the controversial sense of, oh my God, what did Kevin Spacey do? What's happened to Kevin? I'm thinking of Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. And uh, the, the Sam Mendes film, wasn't, wasn't that Sam Mendes's first movie? He went out to the States after being a very successful theatre director. And American Beauty just seemed to tap into something that people really wanted to see or really valued at the time. A sort of a, a very cute, clever and not, um, you know, not unsharp depiction of suburban ennui and, yeah, that middle-aged malaise uh, epitomised by the Kevin Spacey character, the, the jaded, jilted dad um, with the... Now, wait, was it... He had the, the, the sort of sad-eyed daughter and she got a thing going with the the dark edgy sun next door um yeah that would have been thora birch and wes bentley wouldn't it um but yeah kevin spacey seemed to he seemed to just kind of tap into something there um that character and lester was that it lester burnham is that the character um and his he the way he portrayed or captured the the it, it, it wasn't really the acceptance was it i mean he, he has the cry he's having he's in the crisis he's in the sort of like ugh, you know i've no taste for life anymore and lusting after his daughter's you know schoolmate who's kind of flirting with him you know trying not to you know trying not to give any airtime to his his 
shrewish wife who's having an affair with her with the estate agent or whatever it is Peter Gallagher um, Annette Benning, of course playing the, the, the wife I always liked Annette Benning. I must say I still do she's, she's a good actress um, loved her in Grifters um, yeah but yeah Spacey he did well he did well at just just giving us that that the sort of the, the meh quality of the everyman that the the sort of the sagging paunch of disappointment the you know the, the the crumpled creased tossed away shirt of uh, of midlife that that his that his that his life had become and yeah done well a nice soundtrack as well uh, to that movie but it made me it's, it's it's been making me think or maybe i i can think asking the question and then i thought of the movie or the movie and then i get the question but the question is to myself to any other fellow middle-agers out there um what what did you think was going to happen i mean what did you think your life was going to be what what bullet did you think you're going to dodge and i think we all have a little bit of egotistical exceptionalism in us. We have the narrative that we tell ourselves, the exceptionalism narrative of, well, a lot of people have that life. I'm not going to have that life. And, you know, personally, you know, I'm not complaining. I mean, sure, I've had disappointments and certainly um, I haven't, you know, I haven't enjoyed success in certain areas of my life that I would have, particularly with acting, of course. Mm. Sorry, just a little drink there. The throat's getting a bit, bit dry. Um, but overall, I think, no, I'm happy. I'm happy with what I'm doing. I'm happy with uh, with this area of my life where um, I'm trying to have uh, create a little identity for myself with this kind of output, this product of wellness related material wellness advocacy and sort of honest self-engagement i mean that that's pretty much my territory and that's what i that's where i like to dwell and part of that wellness um that wellness advocacy for myself is the exercise the the sort of healthy lifestyle regime mostly that is for me, that revolves around exercise and using my body. Um, I don't, I'm not particularly obsessive with my diet. Um, I have cut back on, I have cut back on fizz bombs and sherbet dip dabs and sherbet fountains and sour skittles and starburst, formerly known as opal fruits and dime bars and crunchies and I could go on and on and on. Cola cubes, pear drops, cough drops, clove rock, bull's eyes, sherbet lemons, uh, strawberry sherbet. I so many, so many apple drops. Oh my goodness. Anyway, but yeah, the question is this exceptionalism, the, maybe the story we've told ourselves, the, 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 it's not even a, it's it, it's it's a prophecy isn't it we sort of picture 
this is what it's going to be like this is where i'm going to be this is where i'm going to be living this is what i'm going to have this is what my happiness index will look like and it would seem and i don't think i'm alone that middle age brings enormous sort of uh pratfall trumpet sound to that expectation so when you get there you know you open the door and you think okay here's the door i'm finally going to open the door that is an admission that middle age is here and i'm in it and behind this door is my wonderful life but instead you get the comedy trumpet And you're like, oh, this, yeah, this, no, this, am I in the right room? Did I, sorry, I, uh, no, you're in the right room. That's, this is your life. It's happening now. (laughs) And every decision you've made prior to this has brought you here. Deal with it. Um, And look, that's the thing. Reality is reality. And the external facts of your existence, you can't change them. All you can change, really, all you can change is how you view them. All you can change is the narrative. And that might sound superficial. But there's something about the way our brains work. There's something about we in, how we interact with ourselves. This, If we are the meeting point between the internal and the external realities of our existence, you know, that engagement with life, there is something about how we use our meta language, how we create this meta structure of narrative outside ourselves to go oh this is the journey i'm on and oh so maybe it's not what i thought it was but it's this and i need to actually go back into the stock room and do that stock take and come up with some new figures some new numbers so i can restart so i can restart the business year uh with a much clearer sense of what i've got and what I'm trying to shift. And that is the deal, isn't it? If you're looking at a load of stock, if you're the, the business owner, and if you're looking at a load of stock, you're going, I need to shift that stock. Because more stock is coming. And that's the truth, Ruth. I mean, that's what's going on, isn't it? Um, our experiences accumulate like stock. They're there in the stock room and if we don't get rid of the old stock there's a backlog there's no room for anything else to happen because everything is taken up everywhere else with the new stock waiting to be utilized waiting to you know you're waiting to capitalize on that new stock and that really is the thing because you're looking at the new stock and going this is this is the new narrative so I've been trading on the old stock all my life. Or I've been trading on the old stock thinking that that old stock was going to get me to this fantasy destination. 
this this vision I had that my life would be. And reality comes in and goes, uh uh-uh, ain't gonna happen. And now it's sink or swim. What are you gonna do? Ditch the old stock. Look at the stock you actually have now at this moment in time and then come up with your new strategy. And yeah, let's stick in the area of business and go come up with a new brand, the new logo, the new marketing. And here's the thing, you know, and this is this is where this is where the idea of exceptionalism isn't. It's not a dirty word because there is an exceptionalism that we all enjoy that and let's forget about using a positive word like enjoy but a factual exceptionalism is that only you are walking in your shoes that's it only you know what your internal dialogue is only you know the why the why of your next act no one else does so in that regard you're exceptional i'm exceptional my production team, they're exceptional. My wife, my daughter, whoever. We all have that type of exceptionalism. And it's not necessarily about I'm better than. I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stand out. It's not that type of exceptionalism, which is more, you know, an ego-driven ambition or a narcissism or whatever. I'm not talking about that. But... This idea that you know better than anyone what your thing is. You know better than anyone where you're at. You know better than anyone why you're doing what you're doing. And I mean, I was thinking, I mean, if I think about it in my own, in, you know, in, in the context of what I'm doing, and what I have been doing with the podcast, with uh, with the, the with the website, the blog, and the the nature of 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 the material I've put out there, which has touched on a lot of personal stuff, and which has involved a lot of uh, vulnerability, I suppose, and a frankness about my own internal life. Uh, talking you know whether that's acknowledging depression or anger or fear or anxiety or insecurity or doubt or whatever and it's easy it's easy for someone outside to go oh that's he's doing that because you know whatever there could be a a litany of reasons or justifications from the outside um that someone would psychoanalyze me from afar and go, ah, well, clearly, clearly this is what that's about. Um, and yeah, whatever. I'm like, okay, yeah, go go your hardest. I mean, come up with your own idea if I'm of sufficient interest to express an opinion. But ultimately, you haven't a clue. Ultimately, you don't know. No one except me. <laughs> only me. I'm the only one who knows. Me, me, me. But that is true, and that's that's part of my narrative, my journey, and it's for me to know the different the different chapters, if you like, 
the different um, the different formative episodes, the 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 cliff the cliffhangers, the plot devices, whatever if you want to use you know run with the the analogy of plot and and structuring a novel, a book, a narrative. That's fine, but we all have the power and the right. Don't let anyone tell you you don't, for God's sake. We all have the power and the right to change our own narrative, to write our own narrative, and let's 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 use that right in both senses and both spellings. That's right, R I G H T, as in correct, like right the ship. Um, and that's also right, W-R-I-T-E, write your own narrative. Who says you can't? That's up to you. Like, take ownership. Because, and I touched on this in the, the episode on wokeness, don't let anybody ascribe meaning to you or your life. I mean, I, I, that, that's the, the arrogance involved in that. The presumption. The presumption of another person to go, I'm, I know the cogs in your brain. I know your emotional, psychological backstory. I know what brought you to this point. Come on now, give me a break. There is no way in hell we can know. So... That, to me, is a source of strength. I'm like, yeah, cool. I'm happy to own my shit. I'm happy to own my own journey. And I'm happy to appraise it myself and make whatever decisions I need to make. And that might involve a little bit of narrative departure because that suits me. And that will suit me to make changes and invite changes and better dynamics into my life and i don't see i don't have any problem with that um and whatever whatever tools are used whether that's just i don't know it could be therapy or meditation or journaling uh, or just talking about it or putting it out here doesn't matter i mean it really doesn't matter i mean if i'm not harming anybody else who the hell cares Really, that's what it comes down to. And I'm gonna having having cited having cited or referred to a couple of uh, cancelled. <laughs> I, I was wondering if I could I could shoehorn in as many cancelled Hollywood figures as possible in this episode. Uh, I got Kevin Spacey and Woody Allen. That might do us for now. I was trying to think of um, a way to get Bill Cosby Bill Cosby to feature in this. I mean, there talk about a changed narrative. Um, from America's dad to America's rapist. Uh, although I had a, I had a colleague, had a colleague in in Melbourne, a good, a friend. I consider her a friend. Um, but but she sort of leaned into the the victim blaming in that scenario. What were the girls doing in his room? I'm like, okay, we're we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this. Um, it, in no way is uh, good old Bill going to be exculpated from the from being the predator that he's been revealed to be. But um, there you go. That is that is a narrative changer. But here, uh, instead of ending on um, on Bill, good old good old Bill, 
uh, I don't know if you spotted this week. I saw it on Twitter. Um, a Paralympian. The Paralympics are on. That is always the case. The Paralympics follow the Olympics. And uh, an English Paralympian. A swimmer. Whose name is Ellie Robinson. Ellie Robinson. She was being interviewed after her race. Um, I couldn't tell what her particular disability was um the 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 clip i saw it was i i I just i could i could i could tell she wasn't a tall woman um but she didn't place in the race she didn't place for the medals but she was interviewed and basically the the interviewer was trying to offer condolences or sympathy and the uh, ellie robinson just she went on this uh I was going to say a rant, it's not a rant. She just spoke really eloquently, passionately, emotionally and honestly about the the year she'd had in the run-up to the Paralympics and the pain, the physical pain, the extreme physical pain, discomfort that she'd had to try and overcome to get back in the pool, uh, something to do with her hip. And it was just one of those beautiful moments where you're looking at someone speaking from the heart and being incredibly honest open vulnerable and there's an amazing strength and sort of inspirational quality that comes from that but she was basically saying this is not a defeat i didn't place in the medals this is not a defeat this is a triumph and basically let me tell you why and yeah it's well worth it's well worth checking out go and find um go and find ellie robinson just her post her post swim interview and I defy you not to be moved. I was very moved. So fair play to her. Great story. Um, tremendous mental strength. And just uh, yeah, a nice, uh, a nice little, a nice little moment. Anyway, there you go. I've gone on and on and on as I do and as I will. And this is one of the reasons my wife doesn't listen to the podcast. She's like, she's been listening to me for twenty years. She's like, oh my god, he's not still talking, is he? <laughs> and what what she thought was beguiling and charming and lovely when we met <laughs> the 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 gloss the gloss has worn off <laughs> anyway there you go listen what can you do it's not going to stop me <laughs> so thank you so much for listening um if you are interested in making a contribution to this podcast, it's an independent podcast. If you hadn't guessed by now, uh, you can do so. There are links in the description. There's a supporter link where you can make a one-off contribution if you're so inspired. Or if you want to become a regular contributor to the podcast, there is a Patreon link there as well. So that's patreon.com forward slash the clear out. And also in the description, you will find links to various social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, the website and an email. If you want to give any feedback, drop a line. Um, As I said last week, uh, make any suggestions for future discussions, uh, whatever, doesn't matter, anything anything you feel like. But um, I appreciate the support. I appreciate you listening. Feel free to spread the word and um, I will talk to you real soon. So enjoy yourselves. Take care. All the best. Bye-bye. Good luck. Cheers.